Hello, and welcome to the Aquarian Spirals podcast. Musings on astrology, cosmology, practical woo, non-monogamy, and just general witchiness. Your guide to love-soaked revolution and paradigm shift. Hello, and welcome to episode number 15. Today is Friday, November 13th, and I'm your host, Amanda Moreno, soul worker, paradigm buster, teacher, and truly psychologically oriented astrologer. Hello, friends. Here we are on the other side of our October surprises, on the other side of the election, on the brink of a Scorpio new moon. So how's it going? What a freaking wild ride, yeah? Uh, Thanks so much to everyone who attended my little last-minute Samhain ritual. I really enjoyed doing that, and I got so much good feedback. It's really nice to hear back from folks. Uh, And I'll try to kind of make those last-minute YouTube rituals a thing. For this episode, I want to talk a bit about this Scorpio new moon that's exact on November 14th, at least here on the West Coast. It's November 14th. For the rest of you, it might be November 15th. I guess I do tend to take a lot of advantage of advantages. uh, What's the word I'm looking for? (laughs) Opportunities to talk about Scorpio stuff a lot. Uh, For me, Scorpio is my lunar nature. I have moon in Scorpio, but I also think it's highly relevant because it's not super often that an entire world is immersed in the same underworld journey at once. And Scorpio is about, you know, that in the, the, the depth parts of the underworld journey. And it's definitely not something to romanticize, but it does mean that we can all probably benefit from taking advantage of this lunation. It's also the last new moon before 2021 that's good for ritual and spell casting and intention setting. Uh, the next one, which is on December 14th, is an eclipse. And I generally don't advise ritual work with eclipses unless... You really know what you're doing or, you know, you (laughs) crave chaos. In part two, I want to talk a bit about Mars Direct and some relevant dates in the coming month and whatever else comes forward. And hopefully soon, Ms. Megan Angus will be back so we can follow up on our tarot conversation about the election. Finally, before I jump in, two reminders. Worldwide pandemic is still in effect, so please, please take good care of yourselves and others. We're still in, you know, the new phases of learning about this virus and learning about potential long-term effects. And the more time we can buy in that process, the better, the more we can um, prevent the spread, the better. So just wear a mask, wash your hands, Give yourself lots of love, please. This is, you know, it, it's a it's a freaking terrible thing to be going through. Um, some gentleness and compassion. Secondly, I'm going to put a link for Fair Fight in the show notes. And if you aren't aware, um, a massive effort has gone into making sure that everyone who's able to vote actually gets to vote. And, you know, sadly, in many parts of our country, voter suppression and laws that make it difficult for Black and Indigenous people of color in particular to vote are very common. So Georgia has become a state at the forefront of this fight. And Georgians voted in record numbers in this past election, allowing us to make sure that Joe Biden had a decisive victory. and. Moving forward, 
Georgia has a special election in January that will determine whether Democrats or Republicans take the Senate. And Fair Fight is making sure everyone who's eligible to vote has access to registration. So again, link in the notes. And I should say, friends, you know, there are definitely astrologers out there who will not discuss these things, um, who try to leave, heavy quotes, politics out of it. I am not that astrologer. Um, This is not just about politics to me. This is about making bold statements against fascism and white supremacy and racism and oppression and environmental degradation and things that actually affect my quality of life, your quality of life, you know, our future ancestors' quality of life and more. And it's also not about, you know, Joe Biden versus uh, Trump, right? So I work under the assumption that I am upfront about these positions and that you're listening because you're either okay with hearing me talk about such things or because you agree that, you know, making steps away from fascism are, are good. So if I'm not the astrologer for you and this is not the podcast for you because of that, that is a-okay. And as always, you know, I encourage everyone to use discernment with everything I say here. You are the boss of your own experience. Okay, so on with our Scorpio new moon chat. Okay, so on November 14th at 9.07 p.m. Pacific time, so that's November 15th for most time zones, we have a new moon at 23 degrees, 17 minutes of Scorpio. I'm going to kind of weave in talking about the chart of this lunation with the themes of this lunation. So you can cast it if you want a visual to follow along with, just using that data I just gave you. Um, Just keeping in mind that for global events like this, we're not paying specific attention to the ascendant or the house placements. So the location doesn't quite matter as much. I'd also like to talk about some of the major themes, give you some questions for reflection and suggestions for how to ritualize your intentions or just use those reflections in a ritual and, you know, see what comes. And I will post a link to my ritual guidance, um, like how to create a self-generated ritual in the show notes. So new moon in Scorpio always happens at the time of year where everything is dying off and getting darker, at least in the Northern Hemisphere. So, you know, you can kind of see some of the qualities of Scorpio around you. And as with all things astrology, it's best to observe what's happening in the world and then correlate it to what you're learning about the symbolism. So, you know, we have leaves beginning to rot on the ground, you know, sunset at like, well, <laughs> 4.45 if you're in freaking Seattle. Uh, so there's more darkness, right? And um, Scorpio has to do with our emotional bodies. And if we think of the water signs as a trinity, Pisces is the ocean, you know, everything is undifferentiated. It's all oneness. Scorpio is the barrel of the wave. And then Cancer is the tip of the wave. So Scorpio is tumultuous and churning. It's associated with these big archetypal themes like transformation and compulsion and regeneration and death, sex, the occult, psychology. Um, It is the unions that are built on the relationships we amass in Libra that then go deeper. 
Scorpio new moons in general are good for healing past betrayals and traumas, working on emotional security, learning about healthy expressions of power, um, figuring out boundaries with intimacy, exploring sex and sexuality, starting therapy, doing introspective work. And Scorpio, um, through its association with Pluto, is also associated with capital S soul, the soul that travels over the eons, right? So the moon is kind of like the soul in terms of soulfulness or heart and soul, but Scorpio slash Pluto is soul. So if we go back to the metaphor of the tidal wave, you know, how many of us feel like we've been at the mercy of one metaphorical tidal wave or another this year, right? Um, so much change, so much chaos. And how many of us have had parts of our lives cleared out by the tsunamis that have come from the earthquake we call coronavirus? That's very Scorpio. Scorpio energy is also volcanic, so it's something that arises from the depths, and because of that, it's associated with our shadow, both personal and collective, and the raw force of our unconscious stuff just kind of like bubbling up to the surface, right? And we have a lot of collective shadow coming up right now, especially in um, the United States and and a world ruled by capitalism. But this is part of the United States going through its Pluto return, right? The soul making process. And also side note, it's been interesting to hear how much Joe Biden is using the word soul in his speeches right now. So this new moon arrives a bit more than 24 hours after Mars stations direct. And we'll talk more about that station in a bit, but it adds some fuel to the fires of this lunation. So Mars is still moving slowly in the sky for this new moon, but it, it is forward movement, you know, for the first time in over two months. So one thing it would be helpful to do in the 24 hours or so surrounding the new moon is reflect on what the heck has happened in your life since Mars stationed retrograde September 9th, you know, back when the whole West Coast of the U.S. was on fire. We also have this idea coming forward of personal power, so where it lives within you, how it wants to express, how it funnels into passion or anger or rage or creativity. Uh, Scorpio is the epitome of personal power, signified by its traditional ruler Mars, uh, applied in the middle of chaos. So it's through our ability to transform and regenerate to become something new that we get that felt experience of that Scorpio energy. And if we think about Mars as a ruler of Aries and Scorpio, that also helps us add another dimension to this new moon. So when Mars is in Aries, it's all about desire and specifically the desire of our ego, right? So I want what I want when I want it and I want it now. It is instinctive and full of adrenaline and fight. Scorpio Mars, along with Pluto's rulership of Scorpio, tells us about the desires of our soul. It reminds us that the desires of our ego are best used in concert with the desires of our soul. Um, that our desire energy, our energy to achieve, to get, is, is best used to kind of come into resonance with the desires of our soul. And of course, in order to kind of do all of this you know, that we're kind of talking about heady stuff here. Like, what is that practical? I mean, it means it means that you have to take time to figure out what the heck 
you desire and what the heck your dang soul desires, right? So, of course, this is all my worldview coming in here. I am, after all, a spiritual astrologer, and the template I use for understanding the world is a spiritual or, better yet, soulful astrology. Um, but Mars and Pluto in your chart, in your natal chart, as well as what's going on in the first house and Aries and so on can help you fill in those blanks. And then transiting Mars and Pluto can tell you what is being evolved in terms of the desires of your ego and the desires of your soul right now. Um, but you know what else can help you fill in the blanks? Your experience. So what desires have come to the forefront for you since September 9th or just since the beginning of the pandemic? You know, how can you tune into yourself at a soul level and get a grasp on what it is that you're here to do in the world at that soul level if you haven't already? How can you blend the two? How can you bring your ego desires into concert with your soul desires and funnel all of that into somehow contributing to the epoch-shifting changes that are symbolized by the paradigm shifts we see going on around us in the world? And they are paradigm shifts. Um, and these changes are also, you know, reflected by our Capricorn stellium right now, right? Jupiter, Pluto, and Saturn dancing there all year. Dancing is the wrong word. Um, but, hoof, hanging out and shaking us to our cores. And this lunation does, in fact, sextile Jupiter, Pluto, and Saturn and Capricorn. So whatever's being seated now, that... 23 degrees of Scorpio new moon is needed to help the synthesis of all that has changed, been broken down, been reborn, collapsed, and, and now needs to be rebuilt. So what clarity have you gained about your life? Keep in mind, if you're totally drawing a blank and want some help focusing, you can also look at where 23 degrees Scorpio is in your chart by house to get an area of life, or look at where 15 degrees Aries is. To get another area of life. I've been thinking a lot about our culture's relationship to death. So Scorpio, Pluto, Saturn, and Capricorn, and kind of Pisces, Neptune, are all representatives of death in astrology, different kinds of death, right? Saturn, Capricorn is more, you know, physical death of the body. Scorpio, Pluto, death is um, death of the ego. And Pisces, Neptune, death are more you know, actual full death, maybe, D death of all. <laughs> um, but nevertheless, death is very upfront and center right now due to the fact that almost 250,000 people have died in the past seven months from COVID in the U.S. And 1,269,319 people have died of it worldwide. And we live in a culture that is like all at once obsessed with death while also totally ignores it and tries to pretend it doesn't exist. But it does. It's the great uniter because it's the one thing we all experience, right? Well, except birth. A friend and I uh, were talking recently and they said that there are two different kinds of people in the world. Those who are afraid of death and those who are afraid of life. And I bristled. <laughs> um, I hate being categorized, first of all, especially when there's only two options to choose from. My Aquarian side completely rebels. 
but I thought about it. And, and what I know for myself is that I'm not afraid of death. Um, I've made my peace with death. I, this is due partially to the fact that there's been a lot of it in my life and partially due to the fact that I am a past life regression therapist who literally helps souls transition between worlds. And even though I know I could be wrong, I feel like I have a pretty damn good idea about what happens after we die. Life for me is the unknown quantity. <laughs> So does that mean I'm afraid of life? I'm I'm still thinking about that because I don't think so, but maybe? I don't know. So examining your relationship with death is a great idea for a Scorpio new moon ritual, especially now. Your thoughts about it, your fears, your plans. So this is also a great time to send some love and light to the souls who have passed because of COVID in the past 11 months. So maybe calling on some helping healing allies and ancestors to help these souls in their afterlife journeys, uh, ritualize that act. And I have more suggestions for ritual and altar stuff in the PDF that my patrons got for this new moon. This new moon is also a great time to think about what you've learned about your passions this year. Um, so now, hey, many folks have just been in survival mode. That's totally fine. <laughs> if you haven't been able to do the whole self-work thing, it's completely understandable. Um, but have there been world events that have stirred up a need to fight against injustice or were you really stirred into your emotional body during the fires or have you been paying attention to healthcare disparities and their effects on disproportionate hospitalizations and deaths or maybe you found a new side of yourself you're passionate about learning more about or maybe you have found, you know, that you're passionate about making sure you get out on a walk every day, whatever the case may be. Um, my point is that this can be a new moon where we tap into passion, whatever that looks like, or make an intention to tap into passion and then use it to fuel our work in the world. And I, an idea that I've come across several times this week, first in a video by Sonia Renee Taylor, who is the brilliant soul behind The Body is Not an Apology, um, and then it's kind of been echoed in the writings of several others, is that white supremacy is a death cult. And I'm familiar with the idea, you know, that Christianity is a death cult. In short, you know, it's a religion where followers worship death. Everything here on the earth plane and bodily existence is suffering and is preparation for the afterlife. Um, or even if it's not seen as suffering, you know, you do good deeds now so that you can get into heaven. And its mythology is also based in a death and descent myth. But thinking about white supremacy as a death cult has really been jiving with my Scorpio new moon ponderings for way more reasons than I can get into here. But let me see if I can pull out the relevant thread. So many of us are very invested in our ego identities. This is a very human thing. And we're talking about psychological ego here, not ego in the sense of egotism or arrogance. It's the, the part of the psyche that helps us to orient to our experience. If I know that I am your teacher, I know what my role is, right? So we orient to our experiences based on who we know ourselves to be or who we think we are based on our identities. When I talk about white supremacy, I'm not talking about white men with shaved heads, aggressively spouting racist and anti-Semitic beliefs. I'm talking about the structures of our society and the ethos 
that our society, and particularly the American country, was built upon. And if these are new ideas for you, I highly recommend checking out the 1619 podcast to get a an accessible recounting of the history of our country in terms of how race and racism were written into the founding documents and laws um, and social codes. You can also check out So You Want to Talk About Race by Ijeoma Oluo for some talking points about what I mean when I talk about racism, um, or me and white supremacy if you want to dive into your own internalized racism. And, you know, it's not, again, just watch if you have like a bristling response to that, right? Um, be curious, see what's there. That's part of our Gemini North Node medicine right now. Um, but for now, what I want to say is this many folks in the U.S. have a core identity of being good, nice, loving people. And the issue being so constantly revealed right now is that even as good, nice, loving people, white folks in particular have benefited since before the founding of the country from systemic power dynamics that favor, heavy quotes, white-skinned and light-skinned folks over black and dark-skinned folks. As this stuff comes to light and as our collective shadow of genocide and violence surges to the surface during the Pluto return of the United States, again, the U.S. is in a soul-making process, um, which is just getting started, many of us are not prepared for the way that this material threatens our ego identity, threatens our core sense of who we are. And many folks don't have emotional tools for dealing with this kind of uprising from the unconscious, this kind of journey to the underworld. And when I said earlier that death is represented in astrology in many ways, Scorpio death has very much to do with ego death. We see, uh, we see that in the Mars co-rulership, right? It's where our ego identity from the Aries nature of Mars dies so that we can grow and change as a person. Again, this is a very psychological take because that's my area of expertise, uh, but most simply we see this in the act of falling in love or in sexual union or coming into a kind of merging union with another person or a force or those kind of rite of passage life experiences we have becoming a parent, becoming a teenager, uh, losing a relationship, the kind of experiences we have where our identity shifts. We merge with the chaos. We merge with that tidal wave and, and it, it changes. Everything changes. And in any underworld journey, we are dismembered and then we come back to the surface different than we were before. And so our, our ego all at once craves this kind of experience. Like that's more of the soul level. Like our soul wants to transform and change, but our egos are repulsed by it. So this is where we get the attraction repulsion dynamics of Scorpio. It's very paradoxical, but for the most part, again, especially without the emotional skills and tools and support for navigating this kind of territory, we resist and fight, which often means that we dig into who we think we are and should be and need to be even more. And we get blinders on and it's too scary not to know who we're becoming. There's too much anxiety there. So we cling we cling to know what we know to be too, true. That can't be true because I am a good, nice, kind, loving person. So there's difficulty in holding the paradox of it all. 
And sometimes we cling with fierceness. And you can see this in the world around us right now, rather than saying, hmm, this racism thing sure does seem to be up. Maybe I should learn what systemic racism is. Many people are saying, I'm not racist. Stop calling me that. You're terrible. This is awful. How dare you? Right there, we get the defensiveness of Mars. We get this notion that rather than look at what is going on, rather than applying introspection or whatever, I'm, I'm just going to let the world around me burn. As long as I get to hold on to my identity, um, as long as I get to hold on to what's true for me, this is where we also see in the Cardinal Cross with Aries Mars, we see nationalism coming through on the um, Cancer Capricorn axis. And I mean, white supremacy could definitely be considered a death cult in more overt, less metaphorical and psychological ways. Again, genocide and diaspora and pushing the less powerful into death is a core part of white supremacy. Um, but I'm focusing on the psychological because it's a good example of the ego death facets of Scorpio and because we're talking about the undercurrents of white supremacy more so than, you know, what a lot of people conventionally think of as like white supremacists and Nazis. It's also a reminder that the, the passion and raw fire and water forces of Scorpio season can be used to fuel change and transformation. They can be used to get directly to the heart of the matter, to find the truth, to uncover what is going on beneath the surface. Mars gives us the courage for that. And it's only when we look at what's going on in the shadow that we can take conscious steps to change it. We've all been living through a period of fundamental change to our lives, to our identities, to the ways we exist in the world. And our society, again, this is very US-centric, but white supremacy has become a global system through its pairing with capitalism. Um, we're, we're all going through a tower moment. It's all coming crashing down. So let's just pause there, take a breath, listen to a little word from our sponsor, and then I'll take you through some key dates for this lunar cycle and kind of tie all of this together. This week in shameless advertising for myself, I present to you a way to learn astrology in ways that are highly relevant to your experience. You can join my Patreon at any level to get incredible access to your own soul stories. All new members get a four-page PDF with their chart, and it's points explained. $5 a month and you'll get that plus a new moon ritual guidance and a full moon call and 25% off all online courses. $10 a month and you get all that plus at least six astro webinars a year. $20 a month and you get all that plus one-on-one -on -one sessions, access to monthly astro circle in Seattle, and full permission to email me whenever you want with questions about your own chart. Full details and more options can be found on my Patreon site at www.patreon.com slash Aquarian Spirals. And I mean, you can also join just because you love what you're hearing and want to support it. But those incentives are pretty good. All right. So what about the more specific astrology of this lunation? It's probably, you know, important to start out with the point that Mars station direct on the 13th. So this is, you know, just a little bit more than 24 hours before the new moon. So we have the traditional ruler of the new moon finally in direct motion. And when planets station, they actually kind of appear to stay still in the sky. So they're not moving 
forward, you know, quickly. Um, but Mars had been retrograde since September 9th. Um, it's been in Aries since late June, and I know I've talked about this before, but um, it's it's rare that Mars spends more than about, eh, you know, a month and a half in a sign, and it's in Aries for six months this year. It doesn't actually leave Aries until the first week of January. So we have a lot of that Mars-Aries energy coming into play. Um, and so what you can kind of do is just reflect on what's happened since September 9th. Um, again, on the West Coast, that was when everything was on fire. Um, this is going to be our third run through that 15 to 28 degree Aries portion of the sky. Um, so that does mean that Mars is going to once again square Jupiter Pluto and Saturn. Although by the time it gets to Jupiter and Saturn, they will be in Aquarius and will have entered a new 200 year era of redefining our society's relationship to how we think really and, and how our thoughts create our culture. That's um, symbolized by the upcoming Jupiter Saturn conjunction. So um, review what's happened review what's happened with, you know, your understanding of your desires, your relationship with conflict, anchor, anger, risk-taking, um, action, agency, will. There can be feelings of kind of impatience with this Mars retrograde, either during the retrograde itself or around its station. We can also see defensiveness really flaring up. And the biggest thing is that it's, there's outward motion now. Mars has been kind of this crucible energy, right? It's been it's been building up within us because when planets go retrograde, they are about the internal function of the planet. It gets inverted inwards. And so now there there can be forward movement again. Uh, and this is also happening just as a Mars Venus opposition is fading. And so now um, Venus is going to start moving into squares with those Capricorn planets. So how and where does diplomacy fit in is kind of a big question here. And, um, and where is it needed? And Venus is very strong in Libra. Mars is very strong in Aries. But we need to pay attention to the shadow side of um, Venus in Libra, right? And that can be placation. Um, where do we prioritize peace and diplomacy uh, to the detriment of justice, right? Sometimes people need to be held accountable. Sometimes people need boundaries. Um, compassion is not a passive act. It's actually a fiery and hot act. And so sometimes there's that kind of, again, the integration of the Aries-Libra polarity can be that, you know, I have identified my own needs, I hear your needs, like, let's see how we can meet in the middle, but some things are not um, negotiable. In this period between Mars stationing direct and the, the next of our Mercury-Uranus oppositions, just at the beginning of next week, um, I would say look for, you know, sudden 
surprises, shock, unexpected information coming to the surface. That was a major theme of October as well, and, and we're not quite done with that yet. So it'll be interesting to see how that pans out as Mars stations direct and starts to blend with that Mercury-Uranus opposition. On November 21st, we have the Sun moving into Sagittarius the same day as Venus moves into Scorpio. So it's almost like we have this brightening quality as well as a deepening. Uh, Venus is said to be in her detriment in Scorpio. And, you know, I'm not a traditional astrologer, so I don't know the full technique for detriment. Uh, but I guess in my experience, probably because I have Venus in the eighth house natally, there is an underworld journey component to Venus. She is a goddess of descent to me. Um, not descent, but descent. And so this does kind of continue those scorpionic themes of having to face ourselves and having to look into our values to obtain healing. On... November 27th, Venus is going to oppose Uranus. So look for breakthroughs in that underworld journey or be open to new information about your relationships or your values um, and how that's applicable to the way you relate to your body, how that's applicable to the way that you relate to society. You relate to society. Um, there is so much... You know, right after that, I think we have Neptune stationing direct on the 28th. And then on November 30th, we have a full moon eclipse. And so that is on the Gemini Sagittarius axis. It's in eight degrees of Gemini and Sag. And it's a penumbral eclipse. So it's it'll be visible from the United States, but it'll just be kind of like a smudge, like a blood red smudge on the moon instead of the whole thing because it's partial. Um, to me, this speaks to like so much information. And so it's almost like something gets rattled loose with the Venus-Uranus opposition. And then there's just this influx of information and um, there's a really strong need for discernment, and I think that that's true in general right now. Um, and that's part of our lesson of the North Node, the you know the transiting North Node in Gemini. Um, but we also have Neptune squaring the nodes, and this is something I actually want to do a separate episode about because it's so important, and it's a really definitive aspect of 2021. But Neptune squaring the nodes is making this disinformation theme just really pop. And it's showing us um, how difficult it can be to get good information and how important it is to really, really use good discernment, right? Like when you're reading information, are you not just checking your sources and maybe checking for multiple sources, but checking in with people around you and checking in with your gut, right? So taking a deep breath. And if you're getting into, you know, doom scrolling or just like compulsively looking for more information, can you stop and take a breath? What is your body telling you about the information that you're taking in? Right? Um, so there could be, you know, 
in terms of, of worldwide stuff, you know, we, we've just come through the third of three Jupiter-Pluto conjunctions. And what we have noticed, um, I think that Chris Brennan put out a graph that shows the the three Jupiter-Pluto conjunctions this year and the three peaks of coronavirus, at least in the United States again. Um, and so, you know, we have some non-wild card wild cards coming up in that we know that infection rates are through the roof right now. We can anticipate hospitals continuing to get kind of overwhelmed. And I think that we're going to see a lot of movement in the way that we relate to and, and work with coronavirus and the difficulties that it poses during this upcoming eclipse window, which again opens on November 30th, and then closes with a new moon solar eclipse on December 14th. Um, and so in terms of like resolution for the election, you know, it is very clear that Joe Biden has won by a very large margin. Um, and yet there are still difficulties there. So I would say look for resolution on that by I, I believe it'll be by December 14th at the latest. Um, but again, with this Neptune squaring the nodes, we have the potential for a lot more disinformation. Um, a lot of our crusader karma is ripening. There is the south node in Sagittarius, you know, people on their crusades for truth or, you know, trying to make people believe their side. And so it's a time for letting go of beliefs that aren't serving us. And it's a time um, where it can be really difficult to see the truth. So again, just check in with yourself, your gut, fact check, take a walk, <laughs> see. So finally, let's just, let's just talk a bit about what Mars is going to be doing um, in the next couple of months, just to kind of follow through and see how that, see how we can track the story of this evolving Mars retrograde. Um, as I've said, Mars will now go through its third and final squares with Pluto, Jupiter, and Saturn. And so it will actually, you know, it takes it some time to pick speed up again. It's going to be at that 15th degree, 15, 16 degrees of Aries for a while now. But around December 23rd, just a couple days after the Saturn-Pluto conjunction, Mars is going to uh, conjunct Eris while it's squaring Pluto in 23 degrees of Aries and Capricorn. And that is the degree of the Pluto-Saturn square from the beginning of this year. So, um, you know, we'll see how we apply our knowledge of what needs to be transformed within our society. Um, and, you know, this is very collective astrology, even though Mars is a personal planet, I'm talking about it collectively. Um, and so I think it is a time for application, maybe some inflammation. Eris has been a major player in all of this epoch defining astrology that's been going on. And then, you know, if you have placements in your chart, planets or angles in your chart around 23 degrees of cardinal, it might become more personal to you. Um, and on that day, the moon will be traveling through Aries as well. Uh, so just kind of look, look at what's going on that day and see how it's reflective, right? Or maybe like if you make a list of, you know, what you're fighting for, uh, that might be a good day to reference it. Mars will enter Taurus finally 
on January 7th, and then it will head into its square to Saturn, which is at two degrees on January 11th. Um, this is while the sun is in 23 degrees of Capricorn. So again, we have this 23 degree Capricorn mark getting emphasized over and over again. So these are times when you know you might you might see changes in the pandemic, right? Because the pandemic really came out on the actual day of the Pluto Saturn conjunction at 23 degrees back on January 12th of 2020. And then on January 20th of 2021, <laughs> so many dates and numbers, Mars will square Jupiter for the third time while exactly conjunct Uranus, right? And this is inauguration day. Um, so we have a lot of activity with Uranus and Taurus for inauguration day and also this continuing storyline of Mars. And I think this is what's really going to set the stage for understanding what the Saturn Uranus square will be about for next year, because that's kind of, again, one of the defining features of next year is Saturn and Aquarius squaring Uranus and Taurus. And we're going to see how society um, restructures itself based on our new understanding of how we have to relate to the earth, how we have to relate to our environment, how we get to embody our values. Um, so I think I'm going to go ahead and just stop there. In terms of announcements, um, I do have part two of Astrology for Personal Growth will be starting in January through North Seattle College's continuing education program. Since it will be online, you don't have to be in the Seattle area, but you can check that out. I will have an astro circle about Saturn in Aquarius on Tuesday, November 24th. That is included for all of my patrons. I will put a link to the ticketing site in the show notes, or you can check out my website, aquarianspirals.com. And as always, it is super helpful for me if you can just take a moment to rate this podcast. If you're feeling super generous, um, your reviews are always greatly appreciated as well. That's what helps me to um, reach more people. So take care of yourself, friends. As always, if you have any questions or comments, just email me and I'll see you again soon.